Welcome to the Love Life Church podcast, and thank you for checking us out. We love God, love people, and love life, and we hope this message encourages you and inspires you. Here's today's message. All right, this morning, your true value. How much are you really worth? How much are you really worth? Now, this is so vital in everything as far as being a follower of Jesus. This is the key to everything. As well as, even if you're not, quote, Christian, this is the key to everything. How you see yourself, how you value yourself. You, how you, not how someone else does. Now that can have a heavy influence or heavy play on your life in how you value their opinion. So it can influence you in that way, but ultimately it's all you. It's all you. All right? Y'all understand this? So this is so important because when it comes down to it, I can give you all the points in the world. I can give you Bible school teaching. I can give you the ABCs of spiritual life, the one, two, threes of faith. I can teach all this stuff. I can bring in great teachers that can teach this stuff. I'm going to tell you right now, none of it will matter. You won't change if you see yourself in a negative way, it's impossible because ultimately you're going to persuade yourself that you're not good enough. This isn't going to work for you. You will. And that's why it's so important to understand what I'm about to teach because when it comes down to this information, it's got to get through this sifter of am I good enough or am I not good enough? I need to break this thing. I need to tear the sifter apart so this stuff just flows in. And why did I want to teach that? Because what Pastor Lau is going to teach in the Spanish service got me thinking about no matter what we teach and, and get people to understand that this is, we're blessed in what Jesus did on the cross. There's so much in the cross that he's already given us. And how we receive is so important because religiously, we still beg in God. And nothing's going to happen. That's what confounds the Christian faith is, is things aren't happening. But see, it's how we're doing it. And God isn't going to change who he is or how he does things because you're screwed up. He just isn't going to. He laid it out in Scripture. He laid the information out. And if people, men and people that, you know, try to manipulate this Bible into what their feelings or opinions are or religious backing is, it's not God's fault. It's on us. So we have to get this correct. And so when she was telling me what she was going to be talking about, I thought, you know, I want to talk about the number one key before any of this. And this is your ability to see truly your value. And it's here. It's here. And so that's what we're going to do this morning. Y'all ready for it? All right. So in Exodus chapter 3, verse 10, this is, I'm going to start here because this is the beginning of it all right here. This is where um, we get God's people or God's nation in a position of deliverance into what the majority of the Old Testament is going to be about. And it all started with Abram, which became Abraham. And why this is so very important, because 
he's nobody. He's not a Jew. He's not a Hebrew. He's, you know, he, he's from Ur, localities. You know, they worship the moon. So this guy is totally from the east part of this world. And out of that place, he connected with God. We don't know the story how. It just happened. And he's not the most perfect person on this planet. As, as far as the stories we see, he's far from it. But God makes his promises to this, this man called Abram and a wife called Sarai, which couldn't have kids. Now, this is so important because God's laying a foundation that we don't even pay attention to. We don't even look at this stuff. We read Bible. We read stories. But we don't read it with truth. We don't read it with understanding. And one of the greatest impacts of my life is this story because God took someone just out of this earth and said, I'm starting with you. Again, not a Jew, not a Hebrew, just a guy married to a girl, and they're an older age now. According to scripture, 75, Sarah, 65. Interesting, huh? That's what I'm going to start with. Not no, you know, young 20-year-old that's, you know, I love you, Jesus. But some older guy that can't even have kids. And then God comes on the scene and says, you're going to have a multitude. Look at the stars. Your kids are more than that. Look at the sands. This is your offspring. This is what's going to happen. And so he starts with this, ultimately he gets to the place where we have Jacob, and then we go into the story of Joseph. So we've got, I mean, Abraham, Isaac, you got Isaac, and then the Jacob, and the Jacob, and the 12 kids, and, and these 12 tribes, and then we've got the story of Joseph, and we have Egypt. And this is the beginning of the whole rest of the Bible. And in that, we have God stating this, at the point of connection with Israel that we need to pay attention to because what is his view? What is his statement over this group of people? And he says this, I've taken a good long look at the affliction of my people in Egypt. I heard their cries for deliverance from, from their slave masters. So they're all slaves. I know all about their pain. I now have come down to help them pry them loose from the grip of Egypt, get them out of that country, bring them to a good land with wide open spaces, a land lush with milk and honey. That's, that's just fertile, prosperous land. The Israelite cry for help has come to me, and I've seen for myself how cruelly they're being treated by the Egyptians. It's time for you to go back. I'm sending you, he's talking to Moses, to Pharaoh to bring my people, the people of Israel, out of Egypt. So that's God's statement. It's not, Moses, you're so awesome. I'm just going to hang out with you. His whole concern is his people. They're in slavery. They have slave mindset. Everything about them is death and destruction in their lives, pain, hurt. And God says, I want them out. I want them out. Now, the interesting to see is because we're talking about identity. 
We're talking about your, your, how you view yourself is so important to this story because this story is you. Because, see, this is a type of Egypt, the world. The world we live in is a type of Egypt. And when you understand the whole process of this, this journey, you recognize that we were born on this earth that's fallen, that's sin. And then the sin that we're born into started with the first human, Adam. And Adam and Eve, from that point, we all have this chain of nature that's been tainted by sin. And that's how you see it. It's a nature issue. It's not your sins, what you're doing. It's a nature. This is where most Christians don't even get it. Because we all want to judge and point fingers at fruit. But the fruit is the offspring of the nature. Everybody got that? From the nature. And so we have this fallen nature in every human being that's born on this earth. If you're good or bad, it doesn't matter. It's a nature issue. And so when you recognize that, you start realizing, okay, so I can't major on, ooh, they're doing bad, they're doing bad. I got to major on change in nature and then you opportunity to change. I said opportunity. I didn't say you automatically change because we'd all be perfect. But it didn't happen that way, does it? No, I wish it did, but it doesn't. And so we have to go through the process. But in that nature, that fallen nature, Bible says very clearly that we're under control of the God of this world. And the God of this world is Satan, the devil. And no, he's not the one you see on Netflix. All right? Because automatically we make, this, we, we make it this Hollywood devil, this Hollywood evil. And it's not that way in Scripture. But this influence and this evil of this Satan and his demonic forces, this, this force of evil that's out there, you see it or not, doesn't matter. It's out there, and it is influencing. And what's happening is, is this influence or this evil you are under. And in that position of being under it, I'm meaning you are a slave to it. No, See... This is the problem. We want to look at good and bad. We want to look at what you do or you don't do. And that's how the enemy wants us to look. But the truth is, this has zero to do with it. It has to do with the nature of who you are. That's it, just the nature. And in that nature, you can look at how the enemy operates. Because there are a lot of good people that don't know Jesus. But they're good people. So the mindset is, is, I'm good. Why should I? But that's the deception of the enemy. See, we think the enemy is going to get you to serve him and become a Satanist. That's what the devil does. The devil doesn't care if you become the greatest doctor on planet Earth. Just as long as you don't receive Jesus, he doesn't care. You see what I'm saying? That's, this is what really confounds the Christian faith because there's so many Christians, majority, that have no clue about Scripture. None. And so we come up with our own opinions, our own understanding, our own belief system. Instead, what this teaches, it's not difficult. It's not rocket science. It's, it's very simple. I was confounded. I was confused by this for years. I got more confused when I went to Bible college. 
You'd think that would have fixed things, but it made it worse. If you've ever been to college, you understand what I'm saying. And so I started realizing after the fact, when I started getting teaching, scriptural teaching, not denominational teaching, influenced by doctrines, just flat out, this is what the Bible teaches. This is when it started making me free. It started breaking me free in life. I'm telling you, this information correctly will always produce freedom. Now, you might have difficulty right now just based upon lifestyle. What you're doing right now is always going to go contrary. And believe me, I've been doing this for a while now. I've been a pastor for a while now. I live, serve Jesus for a while now. I study this Bible every day for a while now. I pray every day for a while now. I've been doing all this stuff, and I can tell you right now, it's still difficult. Still issues. I still got to press. I still got to fight. So no, it ain't going to be easier. It's just I become more stronger. But the, the pressure is going to be there. Do you see what I'm saying? It's always going to be there because it's a fight for me from my destiny. It's a fight for you so you don't fulfill your destiny. And that's what the enemy wants to continue to keep you in a slave mentality. And we need to break free from it. So God said, I want my people free. So ultimately, what happens? They get free. What does God do? He sends plagues. These miracles that all of a sudden Israel leaves this way. Go ahead and go out. And by the way, go to all your Egyptian neighbors that you've been under slave with and tell them, you're not, not only are you going, but can you give them money? Is that the most craziest thing? And guess what? They did that, just that. They just loaded gold on them and silver. All Egypt was paying them to go. And so they left with all these jewels and jewelry and gold and diamonds. And they left Egypt. And they get to the Red Sea. And you know what they do? I wish we were back in Egypt. You've been crying, dying to get out. And all of a sudden, the first obstacle in your new life, you're ready to go back to be a slave. Does that make sense? And what does God do? Opens up the sea. And they walk through, and they drown the Egyptians that tried to come after them. They go on. They come to the place in the wilderness. And as they are going, they're getting thirsty. We're talking about a million people. We, don't, we think about uh, you know, a couple hundred people over the desert. We're talking about a million people. That's not easy. It's a, this is a big city following them. It's a big city. Now, all of a sudden, how do you, I mean, think about the toilet problem. We don't want to think about anything that pertains to reality. But this is not an easy thing. So all of a sudden now, my canteen's run out of water. I don't need more water. What are we going to do? We're not processing what, what it takes to get this large amount of people into this new place. They can't jump in a plane. They don't have like these, you know, 20-seater chariots. They're walking. Walking. Now think about this. They've just been delivered out of slavery. That's, that's all they've known. Generation after generation, slavery. You don't turn it off. It's part of them. That means how they see, how they perceive is going to be tied to a slave mindset. 
That means I'm going to quit right away. I'm going to give up right away. Any type of obstacle, I'm stopping. And that's what they did. And that's what we do. It's, it's, this is statistically proven in human nature. That's why only a small percentage make it to a different level. Because the rest of us, we want to quit. It's too hard. We want it easy. I want lottery. Give me the numbers. That's how we do it. We don't want to put in the work that's necessary to get to the next levels. It's just the nature. Nature, there's more poor people on planet Earth, way more than rich people. The percentages are, are, are crazy. In different states, different countries, doesn't matter. You're going to see the poor are greater number than the rich. And so the majority are going to be thinking this way. And so now they get out there and they're like going, we're, 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 we're thirsty. And then all of a sudden they see water. And they're like, you know, cows running to a pond, you know, after being out there. And they get to the water and it's poisoned. It's bitter. And now their first statement is this. I wish we could go back. They went to the Red Sea. And now they're going, we don't have water. We're going to die out here. We want to go back. So God makes the water sweet. Then they move on after this, and they come to another. We're hungry. I would be too. A million people, how long are those, you know, how, how, the crackers and cheese, how long are they going to last? You're, you're, listen, it's, they don't, they're not carrying their refrigerators with them. So these are things we don't pay attention to, but there's an issue, a major issue. And Moses is bringing them out there. And Moses can't pull up to, you know, the next Jerusalem Chick-fil-A because Chick-fil-A wasn't there. So what happens? God makes his own Chick-fil-A, quail filet, and he brings food and feeds them. But every single time there was a dilemma, every single time there was an obstacle, they would cry out, send us back, send us back. Now think about this. I don't want you to to see this as we're that bad, but we are bad. And so here we have this, 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 you know, picture of these people that God has put his stamp of approval on, and they're messed up people. And ultimately, they, they finally, after all these miracles, after all these times of crying and saying, God, I want to go back to be a slave, they now get to the place where God has them at the the promised land that he's promised them. And it is an awesome place. And he sends 12 spies from the 12 tribes of Israel. And he sends them into the promised land to say, go check it out. And they go out there and they see nothing but prosperity. But the problem is, is there's a lot of people in there that they see as powerful. And that's where the next part of this story starts in Numbers chapter 13, verse 27. When they came back after seeing all this, they told Moses and the rest of the people, we went to the land where you sent us. It truly flows with milk and honey. And this is its fruit. This is the fact. In other words, they went in there and they gathered this stuff that God said, it's going to be on what you can imagine or think. And so they're bringing this fruit back and going, look at this stuff. This is crazy. And so 
They say, this is the fruit. It's awesome. Nevertheless, and here comes the slave mindset. Nevertheless, the people who dwell in the land are strong. The cities are fortified and very large. And we saw the descendants of Anak there. That's the giant, giant line. So they've seen giants in the land. So these guys, slaves, are now free. And now they're walking up to this place, looking at the beauty and everything that God said. This is yours. And in the midst of this are bad people, are obstacles, things that you look at and go, that's too big, that's too big, that's too big. I can never do this. I can't do this. You don't know what I've gone through. You don't know what I've been through. You don't know what my parents did. You don't know what they did. You know. And we've got all this baggage, slaves, all this baggage from your life, how you're trained, how you're raised, what neighborhood you lived in, all this stuff, your culture, your race, all this stuff is playing on all of us. And now all of a sudden, God's going, erase that. Let's move on. It just doesn't simply go away. The only way that you can get change is the change. That means it has to be changed up here. And if it never is changed up here, it's never going to change. It's got to go from here down to here in this heart. It's got to become good ground. That's all this information has to be planted in good ground. Not one good ground, good ground with all types of different seeds. Remember, the word is seed, but there's different types of seeds. And those seeds have to enter in. That's why I keep telling people, telling believers, you might have some bad seed, bad ground, some weeds over here, but I guarantee you, you got some good ground somewhere. You cannot rip up the whole field just because you got some weeds in an area. You take care of the weed area. Leave the good ground alone. That means keep doing what you know to do in this good area, but focus on the bad now. But most Christians, they're ready to quit the faith and run away from church, all because you're focused on the weeds. I get it. Weeds can be frustrating. I understand that. In the natural, they're demonic. They are, they're aggravating. And it's usually out there, God-given rain. Pray for rain, pray for rain. And I know what's going to happen. And that blessing, the stinking weeds are going to pop up. We want the rain, but we don't want the weeds. But guess what? This is life, people. You're going to get this blessing because sometimes these weeds are cropping up in there. What are you going to do? Throw away everything? Get rid of everything? No. You have to recognize the natural principle, the spiritual truth. All right? You have to see it. They're looking at life and saying, we don't deserve this. We should just go back. It's not, we can't win this fight. It's too big for us. Well, yeah, I get it because you've, you haven't won a battle at all. You've been slave for years. And that's all you know to do what someone else wants you to do. And now God's saying, it's all you. 
And now you're in this faith, and God's going, it's all you. But see, back then, we always blame, and we have, we had, we have all the reasons why. And it's because of mom, it's because of dad, and it's because of my brother, it's because of the uncle, it's because of my job, it's because of my neighborhood, it's because of my color, it's because of my language. And we got all the excuses of a slave. And either you understand that you're no longer part of that, or you're going to continue to fight for your right to stay a slave. And that's what happened to Israel. It's a beautiful picture, though ugly, of what we battle in our, in our new life. We're not used to this. That's why the Bible's very clear over and over. Put off the old one. Put off the old. Put off the old. Put off the old. Put on the new. Put on the new. You can't take off something and then go into life. You'd be naked. Most vulnerable position to be in in life. Amen? Amen? Y'all better agree with me. It is. You don't go to war naked. Charge! Now you're going to die instantly, all right? And this isn't time to try to figure what that looks like. Let's move right on. So we have this picture that's very, very important to see. And now here we are in the midst of this. And we're starting to open up and go, okay, this is a nature problem. I'm no longer a part of this nature because I have a new nature that was given to me through Jesus. This new nature, now I have to learn or to operate in it in a correct way. The Bible says that the fruit of the Spirit that we all want in our lives is here. It has to what? Mature or to grow. That's how you receive it. You receive the benefits of peace. You receive the benefits of joy. You receive these benefits based upon maturity, growing. And that nature will produce these things. But yeah, there's going to be that old nature here, not here, here that's still trying to operate. And this is how the Bible talks about stuff. And I'm getting this real in-depth when it comes to school. But it talks about the old nature and the new nature and the new nature acting like the old nature. But because you don't have the old nature, this nature is still perfect, even though you're acting like the old one. You're still doing bad. You're still doing ugly. You're still doing sin. But this here is perfect. And this is what freaks Christians out because they have they established the action as part of the fact of who they really are. That's not true. Who you really are is what really happened in the nature. You have a new nature. You're going to still, you know, act like an old dog until you change the way you think. It's the only way that change happens in how you react on this earth. But in here, it's perfect. It's perfect. And that's what, you know, uh, Third John teaches it teaches the understanding of the new nature. Or first John. No, third John. Okay. So here we have the picture where now they're going, we're not able to go against these people. They're stronger than us. They gave, verse 32, they gave the children of Israel a bad report of the land which they had spied out. They said, the land through which we have gone has as spies is a land that devours its inhabitants and all the people whom we saw in it are men of great stature there we saw the giants 
Now notice their statement. And we were like grasshoppers in our own sight. And so we were in their sight. That is an amazing statement. And this is a statement that rings so true in life. You will start creating lies that you believe to be truths based upon your feeling about yourself. The Bible's very clear on this statement as far as how they felt. You read in the other book, in, in um, Joshua, you will read how when Joshua went in with the second generation, because the first didn't go in, they just couldn't do it. When Joshua went in the second generation, they acknowledged they were scared to death. The moment Israel came, the whole land was in pure fear. The Bible even says that they, their hearts were having complications. In other words, people were dying of heart attacks because of the fear. Isn't that interesting? What did the first group say when the group in the, in the beautiful promised land were literally scared to death? We see ourselves as grasshoppers. In other words, we're so tiny, we're so small, we're slaves, we've never been powerful, we've never been able to fight, and we don't know how to do this, look at us. They think the same way we feel, which was a lie. Because we see again in Scripture that shows they were scared of Israel. So what happened? The slave mentality robbed them of the blessing. Made them believe a lie that they created. No giant came up to him and said, I see you as a grasshopper. I will devour you. Not one giant. There is nowhere in the Bible that shows they even talked to these people. They saw them at a distance. And in that seeing in the distance, they established truth, but it was a lie. See, I believe this is what a lot of us do. We establish truth, but it's a lie based upon how we truly feel. Doesn't, listen, I'm not attacking your belief because I believe you can believe that way, but it's not truth. It's how you truly feel, but that doesn't make it truth. It's what you believe. You guys understand that. It's just what you believe. Now you believe it to be true, but it doesn't mean it's true. Period. It just doesn't mean it's true. But in that truth that you believe, you will now live your life based upon that understanding. It's just like what I'm talking about in the very beginning, the sin nature. Most Christians don't even get, understand that. So they believe a different way. And it's all about the fruit. And what are they going to do? They're going to produce bad fruit. We not produce in the sense of from the nature, we're going to do it, do bad fruit. In other words, we're going to do bad things. We're going to lie. We're going to gossip. We're going to uh, not obey a law. We're, not, we're, going to, we're going to litter when we're not supposed to litter. We're going to do a sin. Do you understand what I'm saying? And in that sin, we then judge our nature. And so we say, well, then I must be going to hell because I sinned. But no, hell is based upon nature, not action, nature. Do you understand that? Nature, only nature. That's why people are so confused, especially Christians again, about 
good people going to hell and so on and so forth. And why, why is God do this? Why? It has nothing to do with God. It has nothing to do with doing right or doing wrong. It has to do with nature, only nature. That's it, only nature. And when you change the nature, then you can experience, experience the rest of the stuff that's in the scripture. But the nature has to be changed. In that, we start seeing, okay, when I start operating in this new nature, then I can start seeing how I can change how I see myself. Listen, everything in this world is, is devaluing you, everything. Social media is probably one of the most greatest places to totally destroy your identity. And most people don't even get it. Everything in social media is tied to you trying to keep up with someone else. You don't even know. Show a better picture of breakfast than they do to value yourself about the likes against their likes. And if this person has more followers than you, they must be better than you. And so you start looking at yourself tied to this, this fantasy land. And we value ourselves based upon this person and what this person posted and how they had these people likes, but they don't like mine. And I know my enchilada picture is better than their enchilada picture. No, I'm not kidding you. And people in here, you lie to yourself. You don't think you don't feel this way, but I guarantee you, you're feeling terrible about yourself because you didn't get as many comments, as many likes. Do you understand what type of bondage this is? I'm trying to help you understand this. This is what's happening to hundreds of millions of people right now. You can't even take a picture unless it's the perfect posture. you got filter. It's got to be perfect. Not just a picture of you. This is my right side. No, it got to go to the left side. And you won't take a picture on the right. It's only got to be left. You tell me that's, that's normal. That's normal. It's not normal. None of this is normal. None, I'm telling you. And it's the world's way to continue to keep yourself in a place of questioning. I'm not good enough. I'm not good enough. I'm not good enough. People value based upon what type of sneaker you wear, what type of purse you're carrying, what type of car you're driving, what type of house you have, what type of zip code you live in. I'm telling you, everything in this world is posturing itself to devalue in some way. You don't have the right this. You don't have the right that. You don't eat the right this. You don't speak the right language. You don't have the right skin. I mean, constant, constant, constant. Now, where does this come from? Remember, the God of this world is going to continue to preach and keep chaos in motion. Nothing beneficial can happen in chaos. It's impossible. And that's science, by the way. And so this evil out there keeps everything out of balance, out of whack, chaotic. And God's trying to bring stability in our lives. But if we're opening into this, this system out there and living our worlds, and I don't want to get into this because the truth is, is if we put a time clock on what, how long you're spending in there, you know, we all know, because this is statistics, that you're spending so much of your life on that stuff. And it's manipulating you. And you know it is. That's why you have hurt feelings and how I'm talking about stuff. That, you don't have enough likes. And then, oh, my God, if you get a blue check mark by your name, you assume you're going to heaven. <laughs> I, I've arrived. I got a blue check mark. Oh, my gosh. I'm something. I matter. 
And then I don't even want to get into TikTok. I mean, dude, are you kidding me? I'm going to go on TikTok for a few seconds and bang my head against the wall and go, ha ha, look at me dance. And I'm going to get 6 million views. I'm something. I'm an influencer now. What? Influencing what? I just watch you because you're stupid. You ain't, you, you, you ain't influencing me. You just, look, look how dumb, look how dumb they are. I don't know about you guys. I mean, some of this stuff can crack you up, but I'm like going, what? You're going to now tell me what brand of car to drive? Oh, why would I listen to an idiot like you? You just were dancing with your underwear in the street. Six million views. Oh, I'm an influencer. No, you're an idiot. They got six hundred six million people to look at it because analytics pushed you over there for everybody to look at it. And y'all thinking you're special. You ain't nothing. You are nothing. But see, then we got people that think, I got to arrive there. I got to press for that. That's not what life's about. You want to you do those things? You want to post your enchiladas or whatever? Whatever. I'm not talking about getting information to friends. or Whatever. It doesn't matter. I don't care what you're doing it for. The point is, is if you don't understand the power of that evil out there to influence you and to demean you and to devalue you, to keep you in this revolving door of I can get better, I can get more likes, I need to get more people, I get to get more. You don't see your life. Your life's gone. It's just going downhill. And it's hurting you. You're not created for that. Listen, everything about your life, how you see yourself, is tied to the natural principles of how you value something. Completely the same thing. You're going to value something by who made it, how rare is it, and how much would people pay for it. It's that way straight up in life. You look at something, and you look at that way, and that's how you value something. Who made it? And you look at the brands. Because you can go to, you know, you can go to the dollar store and, you know, you know, it's a Chinese name. And then you can go to another store, U.S. made or whatever, and it's got it made, you know, whatever the name is. And you go, okay, I know this product's probably going to be made better than this product. But this is how you do it. This is how you value stuff. All right? Period. This is how we work. This is how we value things. And then we want to know, you know, how rare is this? But then how much are you going to pay for it? And this is how, like, because, see, you're going to pay for it. You pay for everything because you value whatever it is. Uh, anybody hear of cheap diamonds? Real diamonds, cheap diamonds. There isn't, is there? No, diamonds are, the girl's best friend, diamonds are expensive, right? They're expensive. Diamonds, real diamonds are expensive. How much is water? I mean, water's literally free. I mean, we pay for water, but ultimately, you can get water. Go to Lake Pleasant, whatever. You can get some water. I mean, you can, water, water's everywhere. Water's free. Now, I know it's a little more difficult here, but I mean, you go up north, it's running down the mountains constantly. It's, water's free. It's, it's there. And you need that to live, but you don't need a diamond at all for nothing. Now, why is a diamond, you know, a million dollars and the water's free? See, this is what we have to look at. We have to start recognizing how do we operate in life? It's a, it, 
in college, you take specific classes. And I know in business, we took classes of this in value and stuff like that. And they, they talk about, you know, you can look at uh, commodities, you can look at like wheat and, or fruit or whatever, and you find out what creates value, what creates value. Well, what creates value is, is where are you at in life? Like, see, if I'm starving and I find, you know, a, 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 an orange, I can pull that orange and eat it, and that orange is going gonna, gonna to keep me alive. That orange is valuable. But see, if I, if I go through life and find a second orange, well, the second orange is going to do something different. It's not going to keep me alive. It's going to help me with hunger. It's not as important as the first orange. The third orange, all of a sudden, that's extra. I can save her later. And so on and so forth. But the third one is important. And if I get an orchard of oranges, it's like whatever. They're all over the place. What happened? Well, see, I'm not at the place of dying right now. Now I have abundance, so it's no big deal. What's happened? The first orange is worth a million dollars. The rest of the orange is worth a quarter. I'm sure a lot of you already know this stuff. I'm just trying to say, this is how we value. We go through this process of valuing. Um, the, the most expensive coin in the United States, let me see, I put this down. This is pretty cool. Is the 1794 flowing hair silver dollar. The 1794 flowing hair silver dollar. A silver what? Dollar. It's a dollar, okay? It was made by the United States government. 1,800 were made in 1794. They believe there's only like 120 right now. There's only 120 of these in the world right now, okay? So there's a rarity to it. Someone paid in an auction in 2013 10 million dollars for a dollar. I need you to understand this because I can take that flowing hair dollar and go to Safeway and say, I'm buying the whole store. And the cashier starts ringing up the whole store. And she goes, well, that'll be, you know, $495,000. And I put that dollar coin right there. She looks at it and says, one U.S. dollar. She's going to say, security. <laughs> Why? Because the value of it is only what it's paid for. And if I take it to someone that doesn't, all they see is the one U.S. dollar, they're not going to do anything, but you don't have enough money, dude. You can't, you're not going to, you can't even go jack in the box, get two tacos with that. <laughs> so what are you going to do? See, it's all, it's all based upon the value. You guys understand this, right? Well, the, the, the most expensive painting, painting is Salvatore Mundi. Salvatore Mundi, Mundi is the most expensive painting in the world today. Okay? If you saw the painting, it's like a, a guy trying to dress like a girl and holding up a gang sign or something. That's what it looks like to me. Got long hair, looks like he's got a dress top. It's up to here, and he's doing some type of gang sign. Like, what up, bro? It's a rarest painting 
by Leonardo da Vinci. Okay, the value. Who made it? Leo did. Okay. How rare is it? It's only one. Okay. Good. Got Leonardo da Vinci. You got only one. Well, then nothing matters except the next part. How much is it worth? $470 million. Now you look at that and you go, that is, why would someone do that? And you're going to hang that thing up? What I mean, what are you going to do with that painting? I mean, Leonardo probably painted and actually spit on it or something, you know? Okay, I'm done. All right. You want to buy it for a dollar? $470 million. Now, it doesn't value that to me, but it is that much because you can't buy it for less than that price. You can't buy that. I can say ain't worth 20 bucks. I mean, I could dress, put in a dress on long hair and throw up a gang sign, you know, whatever. Um, but Leonardo da Vinci isn't going to paint me. The point is, <laughs> the point is, is it doesn't, there's no value. That's not value to me. But it doesn't matter. If you want that, <laughs> you're going to have to pay the coin. I mean, bank, big bank. So the value of that painting is that price. You can't get them for 20 bucks. That's the value. Now you could, if you don't want it, it doesn't matter. It's still the value of that painting. Do you see what I'm saying? So what you pay for it establishes value. This is how we go through our life right now. Listen, follower of Jesus. The three things are the key to your life right now made you, how rare are you, and how much are you worth? Right there. I'm going to tell you right now. I started this with saying your life can be transformed, changed just by this understanding. See, I want to take you to the teaching of health, the teaching of your covenant, the teaching of how to, you know, connect with God. I want you to go through all this information and understanding, but until this identity issue is fixed, you're going to continue to rob yourself of what God has for you because this slave mentality, this mindset of your past will continue to sabotage your future. It will always do this. It does everything it can to keep you focused backwards. And God's trying to focus you forward, but you got my opinions, my feelings, my thoughts. That's all your past. That's all, it's all past. You're of a new kingdom now, a new life now, and you have to learn this new kingdom understanding. But it starts here. It's the first one. How do I know? Well, let's go right here. Let's finish this thing right now. Who made you? Genesis 1.26. For God created Adam after his likeness, after his own kind. Human beings, humans, are created after the likeness of God. Okay? He created Adam. He brought forth Eve through Adam. Either way, Adam and Eve were created the way they were created, like us. So we're created after the image and likeness of God himself. Interesting, huh? Then we have Psalms 139.19. For you are formed, for you formed my inward parts you knitted me together in my mother's womb. 
God is involved in the act of creation. It's happening. Now, he's not sticking his hand in your mom's belly as they're, you know, doing the wild thing and getting it working, all right? But what he's saying is the whole process of everything that takes place in, in the conception through the process is I'm involved in this with you. Pretty powerful, huh? Then we have Ephesians 2.10. For we are God's workmanship, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. The Living Bible says it this way. It is God himself who has made us what we are. New Living says this. For we are God's masterpiece. God's masterpiece. There are times when um, I have a construction background and I like to do things. I like to, I was been raised that we fix things ourselves. And there have been so many times when, you know, I watch DIY or whatever and I'm like going, I can do that. And then all of a sudden I get in the middle of that thing going, I can't do that. There are times in my life where I thought I can tear that apart. And all of a sudden you're going, whoops. I don't know about you, and this happens to me all the time. Not sometimes, all the time. No matter what I take apart, I'm going to have extra bolts when I put it back together. I've Cars, it doesn't matter what I've worked on, i got extra stuff. I'm like going, where does this stuff come from? It happens all the time. I just moved my, my weight, I have a... Um, a weight machine I've had for, God, 20 years or so. And it was in our backyard. So it's messed up. It shouldn't have been there. I should have took more care of it. So we went through the whole about tearing it down and making it look brand new. I got extra bolts. I don't know where they're from. I'm going to get on that thing. It's going to crash. I don't know. But I got extra stuff. Daniel's like going, where'd they come from? I go, what'd you do? I'll put it on you. <laughs> It, this is like ridiculous, and I, but this is a whoops factor. You're God's masterpiece. I'm going to tell you right now. God don't do whoop. God ain't doing no whoops. So who made you? God made you. This is what's so important to understand. Let's start number one, the make. Who made you? God. That's pretty powerful. Okay, now what's the second one? How rare? How rare are you? Well, we already know that answer just by holding up your hand. Just by you doing this, there is no one on this planet ever that will be you. No one. You're you. I don't care if it's 100 years, 1,000 years, or 10,000 years, before or later. There'll be another, never, ever, ever another you. You're unique. You're rare. You're one of one. So you're rare. You're a commodity. I know we can go through life, and it's just so many things out there. We're getting so overwhelmed. And, and you know, you go through this, you know, this COVID stuff, and you go in life, and it's like you, you it's almost like you can't even keep your head above water. And it's it, it's like that, we look at in, in this whole 
picture, and it's almost like we're all not unique, and we're all just struggling to survive, and, you know, you're, you're mom number 1,000 of 10,000, or your dad, you know, we're looking at life, and we're looking at everything in a general attitude of, you know, I'm not, in, I'm not anything different, and that's what the enemy, and that's what the world wants you to believe, that you're not unique, that there's someone that can take your place, and I'm telling you, that's a lie. It's a stinking lie. There isn't. Oh, can someone do what they do? Can someone do what you're doing? Yeah, but not like you can. I had to get this in my heart because I wasn't raised that way. I wasn't raised with this identity. Oh, I had a security in myself. I had a security when it came to sports, athletics. I had this understanding, but underlying in me was this desire to be better and please and to want to do a different level than I ever could only because of how I was trained. That training, how I was brought up, affected me. No matter how hard I tried. Because that training had to be changed. If it never got changed, it stays the same. So I had to renew, relearn who I was. And that's what I was saying. My journey for years in this faith was the same journey as most people take with no change. You'd religiously try hard. You religiously try to do good. You religiously try to worship. You try to do good, do good, do good. And we always fail. And you look at God and go, you're going to kick me out, aren't you? I'll never be good enough. I'll never be good enough. I'll never be good enough. But see, I didn't know God doesn't do whoops. I didn't know I was created in his image. I didn't know that I'm rare. I didn't know I was unique. Didn't know. And then the main point, the main, number three, value. And the value is the kicker. This is the key. Because you can be worth, you know, hey, I'll give you a buck for something. And that value is the, the value that you could get rid of it for. But the value of you and who you are, this determines the reality of how you need to change your view about yourself. Because if you're worth 20 bucks to God, then you're worth 20 bucks. But the truth is, is the truth. For years and years, we tried to have a child. I've been to the doctors, I've been to the specialist, specialist, and they said, you can't have kids. I'm in the faith now. I got different information now. I got a God that's talking to me different now. I got a dad, a father that, that speaks into my life that's whole, whole different than what I'm used to. But see, I have this natural picture of you can't have kids. So I can live by that and continue that life and, you know, just me and Pastor Lau, you know, cruise the world and jet ski and scuba dive. And, wow, it was different without kids, wasn't it? All right, moving right along. <laughs> it's, Check off all those things because they ain't happening now. All right. <laughs> but the point is, is this is the natural. Now, I have the decision to make. Do I believe and, and go, well, that's what the doctors. And, and I'm not talking about MDs, and I'm not even talking about, you know, a specialist. I'm talking about high-level Mayo Clinic specialists, the, the best of the best, and said, no, you can't. So I could go with that and say, okay, you know, well, we'll we're married and, you know, it's just the way it's going to be. So 
you know, we'll have to tough it through Mother's Day and Father's Day in church. Smile and love everybody, but inside know that this blessing from God just in the natural can't happen. Or I can believe his word. Or I can believe what he said. And I'm telling you, the specialists, they say no. But see, is, are they greater than God? Are they greater than what he says? So we decided to believe the word. And from that point, we stood in the life of faith and said, our kids are coming. My head's going, you know, the special said no, but my heart's saying, you ain't running the show anymore. The word of God, truth, says our kids are coming. We will have children. It is God's heritage. And year after year, it wasn't simple. But we stood in faith. And we have two boys now because of that. Now, I'm going to tell you something. We're givers in my house. There's nothing in my home, nothing, that we wouldn't, if we had to do and give to someone because it's just last resort, we'd give it away. We're givers in my house. We are. We're givers. We give. And we have a problem with that because we know God takes care of us. But I can tell you right now, if it comes to my boys or my boy, between death of you or me or whoever, my boy's going to live. That's a fact. They're going to live. You're going to die. I might die. But they will live. And that's my heart. And I guarantee you, it's probably most every parent out here. But I guarantee you, you take your children, you, that's you, right here. But it ain't going to be them. How much are you worth? For God so loved the world that he gave Jesus, his only son. For God so loved the world. Ephesians chapter 2 is a beautiful scripture, and it says this. I mean, Romans 5.8, excuse me, Romans 5.8 says this. But God demonstrates his own love for us in this. While we were still in the sin nature, Jesus died for us. Can I tell you something? How much are you worth? I want you to never forget this picture because this is a fact. The father was standing there to make a decision with Jesus standing there and you standing there. And one had to die. And he looked at you and looked at Jesus and said, you will die. They will not. How valuable you are, there's your picture. He chose you. This is a God that you've got to get to know. For with great love in which he loved us. Yeah, this statement is difficult. This information is hard to understand. But it's the truth. 
we probably will never get to understand this completely until we're up there. But it's a fact. He doesn't lie. You are one of one. You are rare. and You're created by your Father in heaven. Yep. You are valuable. Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you for the instruction in that word. And Lord, I pray for every person and every person out there in the live stream and in YouTube that they will hear this and say, you know what? I want this life. I want to be a part of this truth. I don't want religion. I want this life. And I ask you just to take a walk with me and enter into it by making a simple statement out of your mouth. And that is just that you believe in Jesus and you want him in your life. And that's it. Jesus is the key. Jesus is the way. He went to the cross because of the Father's love, but also because of his love and the exchange that was going to take place. That exchange brought you into the kingdom of God, but it's what Jesus did that produced that exchange. All we have to do is receive it. That's it. Just receive it, and our nature changes. The fruit will be worked out as you start growing and walking this life, but the nature is the key. The nature is the key. So I ask you to receive this new nature by accepting Jesus in your life right now. We can do it in here. Just speak these words after me as I say them out there. Speak these words. Say, Jesus, I believe in you, and I ask you to come into my life. I want you, Jesus. I want this new life with the Father God that loves me greatly. Thank you, Jesus, for my prayer being answered. Because right now, I am a part of your family. Thank you, Lord. Praise God. Praise God. If you pray that prayer the first time, just lift your hand in the air. I have something special for you. If you prayed it out there in the live stream, just click that button. And if you'd like a booklet that I wrote for you in this new faith, It'll help you in decisions in your new life. It's so important. I wish I had it when I was brand new in the faith. But anyway, you guys, you're awesome. I love you. And hey, you look in the mirror today and every day from now and say, I'm one of one. All right? I'm one of one. Love you guys. Bye. again for listening. To hear more encouraging messages just like this one, make sure to subscribe and check out our podcast channel for past episodes. If you loved what you received, please consider rating it and sharing it with your friends and family. For more information about Love Life and getting connected with us, go to lovelife.church. We love you and are believing God's best for you.